With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode of the Sidelines Podcast is the 52nd episode, and I'm pretty excited about today's guest, Utah Jazz guard and potential rookie of the year, Donovan Mitchell, joins the show, and we discussed his rise to stardom in the NBA playing against LeBron James, a guy that he grew up idolizing, and why he doesn't care if he wins the Rookie of the Year award. After that interview with Donovan Mitchell, I broke down a couple players that I think are flying below the radar in college basketball season in terms of NBA draft status. Before we get to both of those things, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. If you want to support this podcast, would love it if you left a rating and or a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the show. Without further ado, let's jump to that interview with Utah Jazz guard, Donovan Mitchell. It's time to go. With Evan Daniels, send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in current Utah Jazz guard and possible rookie of the year. Donovan Mitchell to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Donovan, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. I have to admit, I'm uh, I'm really excited about this podcast. Maybe more so than than any of the ones I've done, and and partly is uh, the reason for that is you know I kind of saw where you started, and it's been pretty cool to see how much you've developed over the last four or five years. If I told you this time last year you'd be averaging 18.5 points a game in the NBA in your first 38 games. What would your reaction be? Um, man, I, don't, I would definitely think you're lying, to be honest. <laughs> you know, um, this whole thing is kind of a crazy experience. And, um, yeah, I definitely didn't see this coming at all. Let's talk about your early years. And I, I think one of the things people may not realize – uh, is you weren't this highly ranked recruit early on in high school. In fact, you were you weren't no. really known until like that type of guy really until your final summer and senior year. Yeah, um, you know, early the early years are kind of kind of going on the rail. I was still indecisive about if I wanted to play basketball or baseball. Then um, that injury, you know, that happened my my sophomore year really changed my outlook and that really changed everything. And that's when I started focusing solely on basketball. You mentioned those injuries. You you broke your wrist and um it was yeah. a big that that was a big summer for you in terms of trying to get seen by college coaches because you were still pretty under the radar at that point. How much did that injury and having to sit out kind of change your outlook on things? Um it it allows you to develop a sense of hunger that, you know, you never really thought you might have had. I think 
they really changed my, my mindset. You know, you realize that this can be taken away at any moment. Um, and I know it's kind of a deep thought, but when you're out for so long, you you have time to think. That was one of the biggest takeaways I had from that injury was this can be taken away at any moment, so why not give it your all? You know, while you have while you have this opportunity to, I think that's what kind of changed everything for me. Now I know Slam Magazine had a nice feature about you, how you wanted to be a professional baseball player. So tell me a little bit about that. How, how did you decide to drop baseball and just focus on hoops? Uh, it was just the end of it. Um, it's really happening. I think I went out there and um, I just the sense that I wanted to play basketball more. I just felt um, felt like basketball was the one the one I wanted to be playing. That's where my heart was. That's where my mind was. And um, I think I think that was that was the biggest change was me getting hurt. Now I remember seeing you. Uh, your senior season at the National Prep Showcase, I think you were playing with Brewster. Uh, actually, that was your junior season. And you were really impressive athletically, but the jump shot wasn't quite there yet. Is that where you think you've grown the most over the last couple of years? Um, I would say, yeah, for sure. Just being able to continue. I started it, you know, at Louisville. I think that was the biggest um, change when I just started choosing the arc of my jump shot. And um, focusing a lot more on, um, you know, holding my flaws from staying in my shot because a lot of times you just kind of shoot it and just pray that it goes in. Instead of having the confidence that, you know, it's what's going in. I think that was the biggest the biggest difference. And once I changed uh, that mindset, it's really helped me develop a better a better jump shot and get and, and raise my percentage one and my confidence as well. Now, I remember Reebok camp in Philadelphia. It was your final summer. That's kind of where yeah. you really took off. Yeah, in Philly, that was where I got my awesome like That's where I really, you know, I think that that was a conversation I had about my jump shot, you know, just shooting uh, freely, I think was the biggest thing. First of all, we had a really good team with me, Justin Simon, Derek Jones, um, Jared Reuter. Yeah, I forget the rest. But I remember that, that was like the big four. We are Jared and Justin and I all going to Rooster, so just... We had that connection and just being able to go out there and just showcase what I could do. And that was a lot of pressure, obviously. Having a little coach there definitely nerve-wracking, but um, just enjoying enjoying the, the time and, and going out there and just playing freely. I think once I found the success doing that, I think that's just what carried over for the rest of up until now. Now, I, I think that was the event where uh, Louisville assistant at the time, Kenny Johnson, brought Rick Pitino to come see you. And then you committed, yes. I, I think, a month or so later? Because uh, that was in yeah, July, yep, yep, around there. Can you can you pinpoint anything that happened that summer? Because that, that just, like, that was like the catapult, man. And then you mentioned the big season at Brewster, but, like, your confidence just seemed to get, I mean, raised higher and higher and higher. Can you pinpoint anything that happened or a time period that was, that just kind of, that you got it? I was, I was. Yeah, I would say, you know, that offer really changed, you know, when I, when I offered and I, all those schools started offering. So, you know, you started to be like, you know, maybe I am, you know, kind of pretty good. You know, like you not all the way believe that. Cause I didn't really believe that until about a few months ago. But you, know, you get a different confidence when you, you like all these schools, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it cockiness. It's more just assurance. You know, and I think or a lot of kids, you know, sometimes worry, are they good enough? You know, how are they 
compared to most kids. Like, I'm not right. I wouldn't rank highly. You know, I never had the hype behind my name. And I was okay with that. I mean, obviously I wasn't okay with it, but I was okay with being under the radar, just kind of go out there trying to attack people who didn't really know who I was. And um, that's the system that we uh like, that's how they play. That's how that's, they have, that's the, those are their guards, you know, Russell and Peyton Siva, uh, Eric Sosa, um, all those guys. And I think once I fell in love with that school, I think that's when I really just said, you know what, let's just go out there and show these other schools that they, like, you know, that, that I'm that good and just try and prove that see some people wrong, I think was really what, um, really what motivated me. You know, I think that was, that was the biggest thing. Now, I spoke to your former coach at Brewster, Jason Smith, and he told me one of the most impressive things about you is that you were elected as student body president after only being yeah. at that school for one year. How'd you manage to pull that off? Um, I wasn't originally going to do it, to be honest. And then, you know, I talked to some people and they said, I might actually have a shot. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, I just made a, make a point to go and be friendly and everyone would be nice, you know. And not get that same, not have that same, um, I don't know how to say it, like kind of have the same stigma that normal athletes have. Um, not having the same stigma that athletes have, you know, kind of being the jock that doesn't study, doesn't do his homework, isn't socially uh, with people, just kind of going out there and trying to prove that, you know, what I, I am something different. You know, I pride myself in being different, and I think that's what, Really kind of sparked me going out there doing that. Well, let's fast forward a little to your senior, your sophomore season at Louisville. Uh, you jumped from seven and a half points to fifteen and a half points a game, and you really took on a leadership role. and And you particularly stepped up when Quentin Snyder went down with an injury. You were able to play with the ball more in your hands. What changed for you during your sophomore season? Because it just seemed like, from a confidence standpoint, you were playing at a different level. Um, I would, I would say. You know, when when a guy's down, you know, the biggest thing is being able to fill that void. You know, by no means will I try to um try to like, you know, take over. That wasn't my mindset. It's more so if you know, one of our important pieces is down, so somebody has to step up, you know. And I took that upon myself. I've always been that person to kinda of take things take things, you know, kind of upon myself to be a leader and I think that's the quality I've just I've had for a while. And um I think that's what really kind of changed, you know. That's what really changed. I was really focused on looking the pieces down again at a crucial time of year, and someone has to step up. And I said, "Why not have it be me?" How much did playing for Rick Pitino help prepare you for for what you've encountered in the NBA so far? He, he really helped me because when he he he, um, he pushed me to do to do hikes, and you know, I think it was the biggest thing. You know, I I had all I had all um, the the tools there. Yeah, he kind of shocked me. I think I would say, you know, I was always a guy who worked hard. You know, he pushed me to work harder. Always a guy who was confident. You know, always a guy who who was uh, who was hungry and tenacious, and he just accelerated that. You know, kind of and and and, and kind of brought it out me in a different way. And I think that's what I respect most about him because outside of him being a great person, he brings the best out of every every one of his players, regardless of what. You may feel by yourself, you know. You make he he made me a better player as well, and he taught me a lot of life lessons too. And that's why I think people don't know about him is he's a great coach. But he's also a great person. Have you talked to him since uh, 
everything that happened at Louisville the past couple months? I actually saw him today. Yeah, I saw him. We, we, we talked today. He's at our practice and whatnot. It was really cool to see him, though. Well, walk me through the process uh, following your sophomore year. I remember you texted me saying you were going to weigh your options. But when you left for workouts in California, you didn't seem decided on anything. Yeah, when I went to go to California, I would pay for my trip, pay for all of it. And I think um, I just I didn't know. Like, I, I had no idea, like, at all. And I think, you know, God puts things in your life to kind of, I don't know how to say that, things in your life. And he saw he saw something I didn't, you know. And I like I said, that goes back to having that confidence I talked about, you know, earlier. Um, I had confidence in myself, but, you know, the NBA, it's the NBA, you know what I mean? This isn't uh, college, you know. This, this is, like, if you leave, and the biggest thing that people don't understand, like, so they all easily make that jump, but a lot of people, you know, if you leave and you don't get drafted, like, that's it, you know? Like, there's no more free tuition, there's no more, you know, there's no fallback. I think that was the big scare for me was I didn't know how good I was, and I didn't know if I was good enough to make this a living and make, earn this for my, you know what I mean? I, I, was, I knew I worked, would work hard enough, I just didn't know if the results would pan out. And um, all it took was one week. And like I said, I didn't lose my, I didn't unpack my college dorm. You know, my stuff was still there. It just took one week. And uh, never happened to that. After having the conversation with uh, Chris Paul and Paul George, changed my mindset. And that's when I really felt like I belonged. Well, what did they say to you that kind of, you know, urged you to, to go ahead and, and, and do this? You know, it wasn't anything different that my agent and everybody was saying, but I, growing up, you always hear the agents are, you don't listen to them, all they want to do is, um, all they want to do is, is get you to go to the NBA and train on it. Like, they don't always have the best interest for you. You know, that's what you always hear uh, in those NCAA meetings in high school and all that. You know, the videos I'm talking about, right? The ones that like, played every AU event. So, like, I'm listening to that. I'm like, man, you guys are just saying that. You know, and I told them to this day, I'm like, dude, I thought you guys were just lying. You know, they're saying, man, you're doing well. Like, man, you can hold your own. And I'm like, yeah, like, kind of believe you guys, but I appreciate, like, you saying all this, you know. And then they pretty much said the same thing. They said, I can make an impact in this league if I just keep working hard. And when they said that, I was like, maybe uh, maybe this is the right move. So, so you make the decision, obviously, to stay in the draft. Walk me through draft night. What, what were kind of your range of emotions, especially after the first five or so picks when, you know, you could have been called at, at pretty much any, any of those spots? Um, I originally thought I was going to Charlotte. Charlotte and New York. You know, um, the league started to slide a little bit in the draft. And so I'm like, man, like, you know, first of all, I'm in the green room, so... I was like, man, like, so I think that means I'm getting going in lottery. Like, that, that's, that's what I was thinking. And, you know, as the New York picked and then uh, Charlotte picked and get to Detroit, I'm like, all right, I killed that one. Work out. You know, I was really good. You know, I shot it really well. I didn't miss a shot in my pick. Did that workout. I'm going to go definitely going there. They picked uh, Luke. And then after that, I didn't work out for Denver. So now I'm kind of scrambling in my head, like, all right, Miami. I didn't have a good workout in Miami. 15th Portland, maybe I'd go there and the list goes on. 
I'm like, man, I might start sliding. You know, what if I did make the wrong decision? You know, like all that stuff is creeping in my head. You know what I mean? Um, and I had uh, Utah traded, and that was my first workout, and I was so excited uh, when when they when I found out I was going to Utah. I was I was a bit happier because that was the first workout I had. Never been to Utah except for my workout, and it was it was amazing. They treated me amazing when we got there for the workout, and you just never forget how nice they are, how great of people they they are. And now that I'm here, I see that it's all genuine. You know, it's not just because you're here for a workout. It's just genuine, and they they really care and they want to be the best. You you obviously made a, a great decision for yourself, and and you you said it. I mean, Utah seems like a great fit for you. It's been a great fit for you. What has all this been like, you know, not only just playing so well, but, but all the attention, the accolades, you know, you've been on SportsCenter before, I'm sure, but, but getting on, you know, the highlight shows and, and all that kind of stuff. In a word, um, crazy. I, I, every, I, people, I tell people this all the time, like, you know, every basket that goes in is kind of like, wow, I did that. You know, and not so much that, like, I'm making baskets, but like I'm doing it at the, in the NBA. And you know, a lot of people, like a lot of guys in the NBA, feel like they belong. And a lot of guys will say, "Yeah, I expected to be here." You know, like like you know, like I'm not telling you, like I have no clue. Like just a year ago, I don't tell people this a lot, but you know, just a year ago, I was watching the finals, screaming at the screen. You know what I mean? When Katie hit the shot against Brown. Now I'm having conversations with the Metro Games. You know what I mean? Like. Just a year ago, I had a poster of this man in, in my in my room, you know, and now I'm playing against him and, and going against him in the final moments of the game. You know what I mean? So when you when when I take moments and I don't try to as much because that's why I kind of get off course and and kind of get distracted. But I take moments and I'm like, man, like this is this is insane. What's going on? Yeah, I, I don't ever get used to it. There's that Drake line. And that's around the time that your idols become your rivals. How much does that ring true for you right now? Um, completely true. Um, I think it it applies. You know, I, I was at the finals and I and I talked to the Draymond a lot. He pretty much told me like that that it it'll turn into that. You know, guys just start idolizing. You know, it's gonna come for your head now. You know, especially if you start making noise and start doing well, they're they're gonna come for you. You just got to be able to be ready and handle it. It seems like every player's kind of had that welcome to NBA type moment. What was yours? What's yours been? I think when Ron and D-Wade came up to me at the end of the game and talked to me, because like I said, you know, growing up watching him, them both actually, I think that was the biggest welcome to the NBA moment so far. You said Russ when you talked to Russ? I said when Brown and Dwayne, Dwayne Wade came up to me, but you know, when Russ came up to me too, it was definitely a special moment. But LeBron is in my like, kind of like my idol since I was really young. The you know, Russ is more I would say newer to the league than Ron is, but both of them made me experience, don't get me wrong, it was really cool, but I think Brown was kinda of like the all right, you're here moment. I just gotta keep it going. What what has all those type of moments been like after the game? Because it seems like so many of these guys are, are like showing support and wanting to give advice. It's almost like the NBA is kind of trying to help out their own. And you've seen this with a couple different guys. It would be Chris Paul talking to Jason Tatum or you. The, I think LeBron even put on, you know, you said he's a guy you grew up on. LeBron put on 
Instagram and he called you the young king. Yeah. It, it, it definitely is. It's, it's awesome. But, you know, in the same way, people like it's, it's a great experience, but I want to beat, like, you know, I, I was I want to beat those guys, you know. Um, it's tough doing that after losses, and I wish we could definitely do it after, like, wins and whatnot, but definitely want to beat those guys and, and beat, definitely got our revenge against some of them, at least, or I got to that chance against some of them, but I want to hopefully next year continue to do that. Uh, but it's an incredible experience. In, in an interview with Bleacher Report, you said you keep a small circle that, that consists of your mom, your sister, and then you said in maybe Chris Paul. A nine-time NBA All-Star is not a bad mentor to have. <laughs> what, what, what's, what, what's been the best advice he's given you to date? Um, I, think it's, I think it's always good when you, um, you have somebody in your cor- corner uh, that is, has had experience. And and knows what he's doing, and it has has had success doing it. I think the biggest thing, you know, when I started playing, well, you, you know, you have a guy that can tell you uh, that this isn't like like I wanted to look at the month award, and you know, he's this is that's not it. Like you know, like this is not why we're here. You know, that's not why we came in the league. You know, and I see have a guy that could be real and honest with you like that. I think that's that's genuine when you have a guy who can. Be like, look, there's a lot more left for you to do, and I think I'm having a guy like that in in your corner uh, is is um, is is amazing. You're in strong contention for rookie of the year, and and kind of what you were just talking about, you know, the rookie of the month stuff. That's ultimately you're you're trying to play for more than that, but you know, you're you're contending for rookie of the year with guys like Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum. Give me your case. What? Why do you think that's a type of award that you've you've earned? Obviously, there's a ways to go in the season, but but halfway through. Honestly, uh, I don't care. To be honest, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like that's an award. That's an award for 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 the best rookie, obviously. And you know, I don't want to look at this award as like kind of saying, oh, I was the second best or third best. You know, I was the best to my team. That's that's the biggest thing for me, like being the best for my team in, in any way that I can. If I, if I win rookie of the year, then I'm excited and I'll definitely be honored having it. But, you know, it's not the, the end all. I know a lot of people, that's all they really talk about because when it comes to rookie awards, that's really the award that is out there. And, you know, I just want to be able to, one, make the playoffs. That's the biggest thing. And, being able to be to become the best teammate and being the, being better in my role uh, with the team. I know you're a, you're a hoops junkie, um, and I'm sure you've watched some college this year. Do any of these freshmen stick out to you as as guys that might be the, the number one pick? Would you? Is there anybody that you would take one? Number one pick, you know, Bagley and Aiton and Trey Young are probably my three. Colin Sexton's really good too. Um, those are, I would say, my, the top four guys. Um, they're playing well right now, but I think it all toss up to being what that number one team needs. You know, a lot of people say, oh, Bagley's number one, I'm going to pick or eight, or it could be Trey Young, or it could be Yummy, but if a team doesn't need a big, if a team doesn't need a big, then there's no need in picking Marvin Bagley, you know what I mean? Or Trey DeAndre. So I think this is all going to come up to, come down to who, um, who do they need. I'm curious of your take because you're someone that benefited a great deal from going to college, but the one and done rules gotten a lot of a talk lately. Do you have an opinion on if these players should, you know, guys 
in high school should be able to make that leap straight to the league, or or, or did you like how the rule uh, is now? Um, I think, in my opinion, um, I don't have an opinion, honestly, actually. That's actually a good question. I haven't really put much thought into that. Um, I think as far as off the court, I think I just have a lot to learn. Uh, being that young, coming into the league, um, I think that'll be the the hardest challenge as opposed to on the court stuff. Um, that's a tough one. I think the off the court will be the hardest thing though to to time out for people for the guys to learn at that point in time. What's been the the hardest adjustment for you off the court? Uh, the downtime has been something we've just got to be able to find something to do. I think it's been the biggest adjustment for me for sure. Last question, Don, uh, before I let you go. If you weren't if you weren't hooping, if you weren't playing basketball, what do you, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Baseball, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Definitely baseball. I could definitely see myself being a baseball player. Donovan, man, I appreciate your time uh, and and jumping on the sidelines podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Evan, thank you so much. It's been, it's been awesome. This is Roy Williams. The performance from the start that could not have been any finer. North Carolina is the 2009 national champion. You're living to the sidelines with Evan Daniels. We'd like to once again thank Donovan Mitchell for jumping on the sidelines podcast. Really enjoyed that conversation with him. It's been fun to, to watch his development. As I mentioned in that interview, I saw him his junior year of high school in early November at that national prep showcase. And that's when, you know, I think it was pretty evident that he had a lot of talent, but it wasn't put together. You know, at that point, he was probably 6'2", range, very strongly built. The athleticism was there, but the polish, the skill, the jump shot was not. And it was pretty cool to see his development over the next couple years. And his jump shot really improved when he got to Louisville. He mentioned uh, the higher arc on his jump shot. And uh, he shot around 35% from three last season at Louisville. And I actually thought he was a better shooter then than he showed. And he continued to put time and time and time in to that jump shot and this is a kid that that has kind of taken the NBA by storm and um, has been tremendous with Utah averaging over 18 points a game as as we mentioned certainly in the conversation for rookie of the year and just halfway through the season so there's a long ways to go but this is a kid that has just made tremendous strides over the past couple years and it's a testament to his hard work because uh, it didn't didn't necessarily come come easy he he put the time and effort in obviously the athleticism was there but that improved jump shot uh, and the motor that he plays with that stuff uh, is pretty impressive I want to shift gears to two players that I think are flying below the radar in college basketball in terms of their NBA uh, status. And we're going to start with Troy Brown over at Oregon. And this is a kid that I think is has a chance to go in the top 20 in the NBA draft, but he hasn't gotten a lot of talk. And maybe, uh, maybe that's because he's on the West Coast. I don't know. But his name hasn't gotten brought up much. And this is a kid that was a five-star prospect coming out 
of high school, and he's really starting to hit his stride over at Oregon. He's averaging 12.3 points, a really impressive 7.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists a game. And I think the thing with Troy Brown, it's his versatility that really sticks out. And that's what stuck out in high school. Uh, He's a kid that stands 6'6", maybe 6'7", long arms, uh, very good athlete, fluid and he can impact the game in so many different ways he's a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and say go create he's a very good passer whether he has the ball in his hands uh, at the point guard spot or he's over on the perimeter Uh, he's a guy that can dribble drive get into the paint make a play whether it's shoot a runner once he's in the lane or kick it out to an open teammate because he's got such impressive vision just had his career high against Colorado last week with 21 points in that game uh, to go with that passing and that versatility and, and his ability in transition, which I think is very good. Uh, I think he has quite a bit of potential as a multi-positional defender. I think he can guard multiple spots and will be able to guard multiple spots at the NBA level. Uh, this is a kid that continuously has scored in, in double figures for Oregon. Uh, he's scored in double figures up until the last game against Oregon State 10 times in a row. Uh, I think the area for improvement right now is his shooting from three. He's actually shooting it better than I actually thought he would coming into the season, right around 35% from three. Uh, But that's still an area that he's going to have to continue to show growth and progress. And that was his biggest weakness in high school. But I do think that he's already made some strides. I I think that's a pretty respectable number uh, considering where he was two years ago from a shooting standpoint. He has had some pretty bad misses if you watch that Oregon State game and and some of these other games. But I I think he's showing improvement. This is a kid that's playing with a lot of confidence confidence and it's continuing to grow and uh, I think he is a very good prospect and I don't know that he's gotten enough attention so far this season uh, so Troy Brown he's a guy that I think is is uh, is is flying a little below the radar but he's a very good uh, long-term NBA prospect uh, and if he comes out this year I, I think he'd definitely go in the first round other guy I want to talk about is Boise State wing Chandler Hutchinson. Averages 18 points a game, 8.3 rebounds a game, 3.5 assists a game. He's in his senior season at Boise State, and this is a kid out of Mission Viejo, California. He was in the class of 2014, and I actually saw him play a couple times in high school uh, and was very impressed. He's a guy that we ranked number 22 at the small forward position, number 89 in the country uh, over at scout.com. I was there at the time, and uh, West Coast analyst Josh Gershon was all over that one, took me to see him play. And at that time, he was 6'5", 6'6", long arms, thin, uh, fluid, but you could see the upside. He looked very young. He he looked like he was still growing, and and he did grow to about 6'7", right now. And I went through a bunch of tape of him this week, and He's really improved over the course of his college career from a shooting standpoint. As a sophomore, he was a 23% shooter from three. He's all the way up to 37 and a half right now as a senior. Impressed with his shot mechanics. Um, good rotation on his ball. I think he could improve off the dribble. His numbers off the dribble aren't great this year. Uh, Does have a little runner and can finish with both hands around the basket, but I think he's got very good size for the position at 6'7", long arms. He's fluid, and I think the the concern is his strength right now. He sometimes has struggle finishing 
off plays, and I think he can improve his ball handling. But I think Chandler Hutchinson is is a little bit of a, a sleeper, and I, I think he's a guy that has quite a bit of potential. Before I let you go, I want to talk about one more kid, and this is a guy that um, I'm not necessarily including in the sleeper category, but he's a, he's a guy that's getting some, some interest from the NBA levels, and that's Anthony Simons. This is a kid that is still in high school. He's doing a postgraduate season at IMG Academy, and I've mentioned him on this podcast before. There's going to be quite a few NBA teams watching him this week. He's playing with IMG in New York this weekend, and then he's going up to the Hoop Hall Classic events, which is one of, if not the best, high school event of the season. And I know a number of NBA teams plan to evaluate him in both settings, so it's going to be a big weekend for him. This is a kid that has told me that he's going to consider going through that NBA draft process. I would actually be surprised if he doesn't go through that process, go to workouts, get some feedback. Uh, he's a top 10 kid in the 2018 class, standing six foot three. He is a combo guard that can really score the basketball. He's a very good athlete, but he's also a really, really good shooter. He was committed to Louisville and backed off his pledge back in September. Uh, recently took an official visit to Tennessee. He has a number of other schools recruiting him, NC State, a bunch of South Carolina, a bunch of other ones. So Anthony Simons, it's going to be a big weekend for him and his potential draft stock as all these NBA guys are going to take him in and evaluate him. I know that uh, a number of them saw him earlier in the year at the National Prep Showcase in November and a couple different times throughout the season. But I, I think this is going to particularly be a good weekend. And I, I, I've come on here before and said that I think he probably needs another year just because he's so thin. Uh, I think his body needs to develop. But he is a kid with a lot of potential. So I'll be curious to see what kind of feedback uh, he gets after this weekend and, and what the NBA guys are saying about him. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines Podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. The other way to support this podcast is to leave a rating and a review. Would love it if you would do that. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Thanks for listening and have a great week.